0: Hello, everyone. This is Sean Dubrovac from Avrio Institute.
1: And this is Ross Rubin at Radical Research.
0: Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Tech Expansive where we dive into some of the pressing topics impacting the tech industry. We're going to start with a look at Qualcomm and some of the announcements that came out last week. Ross was in Hawaii. Um, he had the punishment of going to Hawaii for this meeting. And uh, so he'll, we'll kick things off there. We'll maybe talk a little bit about what computing looks like, and then we thought we'd also talk a little bit about the state of video streaming services with some of the announcements that Facebook made this week. So, Ross, in between uh, Aloha shirts and and my ties, tell us a little bit yes. about what you uh, what you some of your thoughts coming out of the Qualcomm meetings.
1: Sure, sure. Well, there were uh, a couple of uh, big announcements. There was, uh, first day was really focused on 5G. Uh, Second day was focused on their new smartphone chip, the Snapdragon 855. And the third day was focused on their new PC chip, their laptop chip uh, called the 8CX. And uh, really the two things that stood out to me Uh, We can talk about the uh, laptop push, the PC push in a moment, but regarding the uh, smartphone chip, there, you know, has been a lot of discussion about AI and the importance of AI, and everyone says, you know, this is basically going to change life as we know it, but uh, at least in these early days, looking at smartphone applications, a lot of the focus has been on improving photos, and making them more realistic and having them look better in low light, and certainly nothing wrong with that. Uh, But, you know, I would think we would want a little bit more from the technology, and there were a couple of really interesting demonstrations. Uh, One was uh, concerning the oldest cell phone application of them all, uh, talking, just talking on the phone uh, in, in a noisy environment, and of course we've had noise cancellation uh, technologies for many years that have that use uh, multiple microphones to screen out background noise but uh, there was one uh, demonstration of a a startup that is using AI to really detect uh what the voice is on the phone and screen out all the other background noise even if you're in a, a crowded airport or at a ball game or something like that it was a very impressive far more effective than any noise cancellation that i have ever used because really all that kind of does is muffle out the uh, the background noise where this essentially eliminated it i mean it really isolated the voice so this to me is a, an example of uh, an application that just about anyone who uses a phone uh, could take advantage of right we 've all been in that situation where we we have a hard time hearing the person because they 're in a noisy environment and uh, an- another example was well and, Ro- uh, and Ross, we can yeah, go ahead
0: you know we can talk just a little bit about that for a second because to me, these are really end up being the killer applications of a- of AI We talk so much about artificial intelligence and how it's going to transform our lives and how it's going to be enmeshed into everything that we do. And it's really mm-hmm. these small applications. What I and what but I mean by small applications is a, a small uh footprint in your life. It's you don't even necessarily recognize that it's artificial intelligence, but yet it's oh, fundamentally sure. changing how you use that the technology, how you use the device, the experience that you have, I always point to something like spam filters, which are essentially m- machine learning, artificial intelligence in action. And it's changed how we, how we operate in email. And this is a, a, just one of those examples of AI operating in the background as if you don't even notice it's there, but, but really changing the experience that you have.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, uh the other uh, application that they showed was, you know, ever since Apple showed this uh, portrait mode of photography where they can blur the background in a uh, what's called a bokeh effect, uh, like a, a high end uh, professional photography camera or, you know, a DSLR, uh, there's been a, a lot of focus on different ways to produce these effects and the uh another demonstration showed how uh using only one camera you could have a high resolution high definition video and have uh someone uh dancing around in front of a background and bring in that change out that background at will not only that but you could take say uh someone's hair and change their change its color uh, on the fly, you know, as they're moving around and and you see the, the hair just sort of, you know, bouncing around in the breeze. Uh, and so the significance of this is that the AI is able to pick up within a incredibly precise degree of detail, what is hair and what is the background and lock onto that. Uh, and there are, you know, many applications for, trying different kinds of looks and, and costumes and, and Snapchat-like lenses. Um, so uh, it, it was, again, somewhat like the first example. I, you know, One of the themes I noticed is using AI in place of hardware, right? So in, in the first example, instead of having multiple microphones produce the noise cancellation, you only need one. And in this example, instead of needing multiple cameras to calculate what is in the foreground and what is in the background, you only need one. Uh and the engine behind the what the processing of, of the video is dynamic enough uh where you know it can tell what's what. I mean in both cases it's interesting because it's they're examples of object recognition, right? Uh which is very key to you know this idea of computer vision that we've mentioned on the podcast before and one of the the leading applications also in autonomous driving you know to be able to know this is a pedestrian or that is a strand of hair or you know that is a voice versus background crowd noise so uh, they're all examples of computers getting better at figuring out what is significant uh, about the real world and how to treat it. So uh, I I found both of those examples fascinating. And, uh, you know, Qualcomm said there are many more to come.
0: And so what do you think that means for the state of hardware? Do we see AI replacing hardware or do we just see hardware showing up in more places in our lives it would seem that we would want more connected objects running ai in all of these uh, diverse spaces in our life
1: yeah sure so it's you know first of first off it's not a uh, a complete elimination of hardware Uh, i should clarify a bit because qualcomm has had to add silicon to its chips uh, in order to do this ai processing uh, on on the processor, you know, w- within the chip. So in in some ways, it's a little bit of a substitution of silicon for sensors. We feel like uh, I'm getting getting a little nerdy here, but you know, with both the microphone and camera being examples of sensors, you know, things capturing information in the real world. Yep. But I also tend to think that. Uh, particularly in terms of photography and video uh, if the if the engine can do that well with just a single camera uh, there are probably even more applications that could be opened up with with multiple cameras and and of course this was a demonstration so while it performed brilliantly in this one example uh, there may still be many different kinds of uh, scenarios that that would trip it up, and uh, at this point we don't know. For example, how much light it needs in order to be effective. So, so one thing that multiple cameras do uh, or can do is a- allow in a lot more light, and and the quality of the camera and the sensor determines how much light is brought in. So, so again, uh, it's not you know exactly as if all, all of these sensors become obsolete, uh, but. At least at a baseline, you're able to do much more uh, with 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 less hardware than you were able to before. I,
0: I, I think it's just
1: an example of, of the bar being raised.
0: Well, and if you think about how AI develops and how it will develop in years to come, it gets one use case scenario right and then fine-tunes it. And as it sure. comes across things that that cause it to trip up or to stumble – those just become additional uh, waypoints along the path so those are training data if you will that then should improve the experience over a longer period of time
1: sure and and while Qualcomm uh, isn't really in a, in a position to determine which software gets bundled on on which smartphone Uh, The idea that they can support this functionality really bodes well for the idea that many of their partners would be able to implement these kinds of features, which would result in that that learning happening at at a massive uh, scale.
0: Yeah. Well, awesome. Some other things that you uh, heard from the from the week there, Ross?
1: Sure, sure. Uh, So on the 5G front. You know, it just seemed that uh, we're, we're going to be seeing a lot of launches uh, in the first half of of next year. Uh, with, I think, a lot of carriers actually moving to commercial deployments, or really, it, you know, getting into an average consumer's hands. Uh, probably more realistically in in 2020. Uh, but I also thought that the laptop announcement was very interesting because. Unlike in the smartphone space where Qualcomm has uh, had a a very strong position, they are clearly the challenger uh, in, in the laptop space. And they've they've rolled out a, a few machines and they announced this new high-performance chip, which is, is based on this new smartphone chip. Uh, and they continue to tout the benefits of it uh, being very long, of it offering very long battery life, of it offering LTE connectivity, of it enabling these very thin and light laptops. Uh, And in speaking with some of the executives there, it seems that they see a strong proposition in growth economies and developing economies where PC penetration is very low uh, and there are financing opportunities for, for smartphones. And so, you know, the idea becomes, well, if there are financing opportunities for smartphones, would those would that same channel, would those same channels, uh, work for PCs? And, uh, you know, particularly for, for smaller businesses, uh, to digitize processes that, uh, many business processes that, you know, we likely, uh, take for granted as happening on, on PCs, uh, in, in the U.S. Uh, and to me, you know, it struck me as, as kind of a supply side argument very much, uh, You know, it's one that has merit, I think, but but I I think there's there's one there's going to have to be more demand generation. I I don't know if Qualcomm is the best company to do that. I I think they may need to rely more on Microsoft for that, but but they are clearly getting more competitive uh, with uh, with the performance. And there were announcements of more apps uh, running natively on the Qualcomm processor, important apps. And, um, and, uh, the, the, you know, in, in order to penetrate these, uh, these markets, they're going to need to hit new price points, certainly lower price points. So that is essentially their to do list for the coming year. And, uh, we will see, I think, over the next 12 to 18 months, uh, whether they, you know, really have any any legs in in this market, whether they can compete uh, with uh, with Intel and AMD, who uh, you know, w- which have been the duopoly in in PC processors.
0: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. And I think you know, as you as you look at this entire market as those price points go down, uh, not only does it allow you to compete in in lower Price lower tiered markets both both geographically but also the segments of those markets, so you can mm-hmm. start to push into entirely new categories and when you 've got zero market share in that category, then there 's a, a lot of growth potential and growth possibility there, and also I think you see the consumer moving in that direction now, so as the the technology of the s- smartphone becomes less expensive we can push it into other devices and then and that's going back to the 5g conversation will be interesting to see how 5g ties into some of those things how how cellular plays into those things
1: yeah that's uh that's an excellent point um you know when you talk about the importance of 5g for pc networking applications that strikes me as low hanging fruit uh in that market in terms of what devices uh will take advantage of the enhanced speed and in fact at at one point um Qualcomm referred to 5g enabled pcs as the quote end game <laughs> of the pc market which uh which struck me uh as as Somewhat of an ominous word, but uh, but maybe you know one of the things they're banking on is the struggles that Intel has had uh, Developing modem technology uh, for for 5g uh, Where you know, they have many Decades of experience qualcomm has many decades of experience producing modems Uh, and so You know in, in a world where every pc can or well, not every PC, but you know, all, all of the leading edge or new PCs are expected to connect to this ultra-fast wireless network that, you know, essentially no longer feels like like a compromise. Like you know, using cellular today, uh, they perhaps they feel that you know that that's really where their their advantage kicks in.
0: Well, and I think you see those lines blurring of what even is a laptop, what is a portable uh, PC and where, you know, where that market goes. So we've talked a little bit about that. And of course, Apple, with their their push on the iPad, has shown where they think the future of that, you know, the laptop world goes. And having um, connectivity in that device, whether it's cellular or over Wi-Fi, makes a lot of sense. And so the the lines are blurring, blurring on what the hardware is. And then I think you also see on the other end, Wi-Fi standards that, that we're working on now, kind of the next gen Wi-Fi standards, will improve the ability to toggle between a cellular connection and offload some mm-hmm. of that that uh, data onto a Wi-Fi connection to easily be able to pick back up a cellular connection if you start to lose uh, one or the other. And so... I, I think you you see all of those worlds really colliding over the next eighteen months,
1: and and you know certainly in the mainstream of the PC market, Intel had some significant announcements of its own about how it intends to keep pushing the ball forward. And you were talking, uh, we were talking a bit before the the call, before the the podcast about uh, uh, about their new three D. Technology. So, uh, what's that about?
0: Yeah. Well, I think what you see them doing is continuing to push out uh, Moore's law, but by looking at entirely new ways uh, and new uh, architects, ar- architecture to do that. And so, they're building out 3D chips by stacking logic chips, uh, logic chips on top of one another. And that and, you know over the last I would say two years you 've heard a lot about the demise of moore 's law, but moore 's law was really never a foregone conclusion it wasn 't an ever an inevitability it was something that we saw as a technical capability and and possibility and engineers built plans around the possibility of moore 's law and and that in that way it became a self fulfilling uh, process and uh, there's been so much conversation over the last two years that Moore's Law is dead and we won't be able to keep up with this rapid progress, but yet here you see Intel coming up with a new approach that will then push that out just a little bit further. And I think uh, you know we really need to recognize the engineering might that exists in this space to be able to come up with new approaches to push Moore's Law out a little bit further.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, we've uh, talked a bit about quantum computing and that is certainly a uh, next generational leap in capability, but the issue is uh, having it scale and work on more traditional kinds of uh, of computing problems, whereas uh, quantum computing is really geared more toward things that uh problems that that involve uh multiple uh data sets and, and a high number of variable scenarios uh that can be worked on in in parallel. Uh and uh IBM uh I know is is working on different kinds of um uh business applications for uh for quantum computing and they've also done a lot of work with a material called graphene uh which comes up a lot uh in, in talking about something that may replace silicon as the uh, the way to keep Moore's law going.
0: Yeah. And so you have, a, I think, a really interesting dynamic where there are areas where you still need to push Moore's law. I mean, you point out quantum computing where that makes a lot of sense. And I would argue some of the conversation over the last couple of years was, well, do we really need Moore's law when we're starting to do things in a, a mobile environment, mm. we're starting to do things more with our phone, our laptops seem sufficient, our tablets seem sufficient, so do we really need to push this out, um, and is is the demand there from the end market and so there is this entire enterprise market that might be able to take uh, full advantage of quantum computing and, and parallel processing to, uh, to really cause demand to, to be there to push that out a little bit further. And we, we were talking before we jumped on the call and started recording it of how you know, CES in 2019 in January in a month could really have a lot of really interesting computing storylines. You've got Intel, you've got Qualcomm, both companies we've talked about. Then you also have IBM and, and AMD both giving keynotes and pu- pushing out their narrative. So there could be a lot of really interesting hardware storylines that are building out over the next month.
1: Yeah. And and, uh, this idea about, you know, what are the killer applications? I I did want to just put in a a quick uh, note about 5G, which is that today one of the applications that is expected to continue to drive more and more, Wireless volume and, you know, certainly driving a lot of it today is video. Uh, and, uh, we've spoken a bit before about, you know, the moves of many of the big ecosystem players, uh, into video. And this week, uh, there were reports that, uh, Facebook is going to be stepping up its, uh, its watch feature, which is kind of like their YouTube competitor. And uh, Sean, you you had some thoughts about, you know, what is the competitive dynamic here, and what what do we learn? How many how many players? We've spoken before about how many players this market can support. So, you know, what do you think? If anything, Facebook brings to to this table?
0: Well, we saw Facebook pushing in a couple of different directions. One is rolling it out globally, so they're pushing it out. Uh, across wider geography and then also you rumors and stories of them in talks with HBO, Showtime and others to get their content on the watch platform. So you could sell subscriptions and people would turn to Facebook Watch in order to consume some of this traditional content. And it, I think it really opens up the question of what does the in-state look like? You've seen companies like Netflix and Amazon push into original content in order to differentiate themselves from the competitors. You now see Facebook trying to make a, a bigger push into video experience. Uh, Apple is always rumored to be pushing into this space and starting with, if you will, the the broad generally available portfolio of content. And then over time, it would seem that both of these will end up pushing into uh, original content. We talked in a previous episode about how YouTube is pulling back from some of that. Uh, And so you have an interesting friction, I think, that's starting to form in there of what does the end state of these platforms look like? Do they look very similar or do they look very different in that all they're really focused on is original content a few years out from now?
1: right and then you kind of get this long tail scenario which i think we're already starting to see where you know netflix of course uh is the uh market share leader and then a lot of people get prime video primarily because they're an amazon prime customer uh and and then there's you know this long tail of of niche services and niche programming uh services like vivo for videos and cello for uh, for concerts and, um, uh, there are, you know, retro stations and, and, you know, special language programming and it, you know, just, uh, goes on and on. I think we see some of that from music too, but I, I think Facebook in the near term, what is the, you know, one of the biggest, uh, expenses, you know, biggest challenges of being in this business, it's customer acquisition, right? And, uh, People are spending so much time uh, interacting with Facebook, or, or at least their older demographic is is probably. And you know, we've talked a lot about Instagram in the past, uh, but their traditional audience of, of the main services is is probably at that premium. You know, a lot of them are at that premium video service buying age, uh, and and so Facebook, I think, has in some respects a great opportunity to market these services and uh arguably nobody knows more about you know your your likes and dislikes and uh, you know emotional state at, at any given time uh than uh than facebook uh so that's i think perhaps in in a little bit of a longer term window a great advantage that they can bring to to offering uh these services before we even get into a discussion about Proprietary, you know, or, or original content. Um, on the other hand, uh, and oh, and and you know, they they need to or they want to diversify from their straight advertising revenue as as privacy laws, you know, become stronger as as they get more heat and pressure uh, about you know comp being you know compromise having privacy compromised. On the other hand, you know, at least at this point, you know, they they've made a push uh, into uh, sales um, a couple of years ago with Marketplace, and you don't hear anything about how well they're doing in that effort, you know, to rival eBay or or Amazon or or anyone like that. So they, I I think they're feeling out opportunities to diversify from the core social networking, ad-supported social networking business.
0: Well, and it's also about growth and revenue growth and mm-hmm. and user growth. So user growth showing up in terms of more people on the platform or hours, the, hours and yeah, engagement. Yeah. Right, hours and engagement. So more time on the platform. And they've really struggled to get more people on the platform. Their primary uh, growth area there is driving younger audiences onto the platform. They did a phenomenal job with their Instagram acquisition, obviously, and and that has become a a very important platform for younger cohorts. And as Snapchat uh, came out with new features, Instagram quickly integrated some of those popular features into their platform. So they've done a very good job of growing that piece of their platform. But their core Facebook platform has struggled to really garner uh, much interest from some of those younger cohorts. And so they've tried using Messenger. They've tried acquiring other social networks that seem to be coming popular with some of those younger cohorts. And so the next step is how do we drive hours of engagement and something like video content, video watching is, uh, to your point, a natural extension. You're already on the platform. You already have an account. And then, you know, what's the average Americans watching four plus hours of television every day, four plus hours of video content every day. And so if you can capture some of that, then that gives you the opportunity to really own the advertising relationship or subscription relationship, however you want to, you know, you want to roll that out. And I think in some ways they're taking a page from Amazon's book. Amazon has done a good Mm -hmm. job growing by adding not just new geographic markets so reaching more people but adding new segments so it, it becomes so yeah it becomes video so it think, becomes all of these other things and then AWS and all of these other pieces so right. you're getting getting more dollars from the same people
1: so you know they right so amazon has become the <laughs> the everything company in, <laughs> yeah, in exactly. many ways. uh but um uh, you know, again, I, I think Facebook has—they've uh, they, traditionally been a, a lot more focused, and I and I think they're dipping their toe in, in a you know, couple couple of different ponds. Um, and you know, they they recently released this portal device that mm-hmm. is focused on uh, video chat. But hey, you know. That's also another screen that yep. you could be watching movies on, you know, particularly the big ones. So, you know, it, it is definitely going to be interesting. And I, I think it's a, a very good bet that uh, to your point about subscription versus ad supported, uh, because they have, you know, like Google, such a massive uh, advertising driven machine, uh, that, uh, th- there's a great opportunity for them to tap into the increased focus on free to view, uh, content. And, and, you know, HBO and these premium services are, are great step ups from that, but, uh, but they, I, I, they, they probably have a, a strong opportunity in terms of ad supported movies and, and TV shows. And that, I think, kind of fills the sweet spot between these pay services and the kind of pure video stuff that, of course, YouTube grew up on and which, uh, you know, has represented most of Facebook's video uh, up to this point.
0: And Facebook loves video. They've always (laughs) loved video. You can go back several summers ago when there was the, you know, ice bucket challenge and how those videos were everything on Facebook that that was because Facebook made a concerted effort to promote videos in the feed. And so we, you saw it everywhere. And so they've always been attracted to video on the platform and you see it on Facebook. You always also see it in Instagram and how they might curate video on that platform as well. So it's something that is, I would argue one of their core interests. And so it's something that's going to uh, stay top of mind for them. And we're going to see a lot more experiments, uh, I think from Facebook over the next couple of years of how to drive more video onto the platform and then keep individuals on the platform longer, bring more engagement on the platform.
1: I wonder if if they could do it all over again, if they, wish they could have acquired youtube if they if they would have uh paid a premium above what google paid i think it was 6 billion back in the day and uh you know the these days with with valuations being what they are uh seem, seems like a incredible bargain given that uh youtube has really become the engine of google's video advertising and and of course you know i'm not going to say that facebook doesn't have any uh, inherent core interest in it i i think you've made a strong case uh, as to why they do but you know the other part of that is that they face a, a strong competitive threat from uh, from youtube uh, on the video front and so they i think I, I would argue that
0: they have some catching up to do there especially in the younger cohort and so if you look right. at the the type of people that are watching the YouTube influencers and watching the gamers, I would argue Twitch, it was a fabulous purchase by Amazon and that's going to be a platform that will continue to grow because you have this younger cohort who are tuning in to watch outrageous videos on YouTube or streaming gaming on Twitch. And that is a social network to them. And so they can interact and it becomes, information that they need to be relevant among their peer set, to be relevant at school. And Facebook doesn't really have that. They've done a good job of providing information that adults might feel like they need to be relevant within their communities. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, catching those big announcements from your friends and families uh, so that you can call on their birthdays or that you you know, know if somebody's passed away and you can offer your condolences. Those type right. of big announcements are on Facebook. And so people, I, I think adults still gravitate towards Facebook to make sure they're aware of some of those big announcements. But that's not the market for kids. They want to be able to be relevant among their peer set. And that relevancy is taking place on Twitch and YouTube and and on video services. So did you so, see it on Netflix? I, did you see it on Amazon prime those type of places
1: so i i I think you you yeah, know that raises an interesting question, which is do these video services you know for Facebook to compete does the does does its video offering you know if you will have to be uh, a separate destination right I mean you know we've mentioned Instagram many times uh the success that it has achieved perhaps in part because it is not Facebook, you know, it is uh, uh, something that lives outside it and YouTube, you know, is a destination and Twitch is a destination. You know, it's not like it's, it's wrapped into Amazon prime, at least not at this point. So, right. You know, you think there's anything to that? Is it or is it too late for them to, to do anything like that?
0: No, I don't think it's too late. I mean, it's surprising to your point that they haven't gone out and acquired of. A- dedicated video platform like they acquired Instagram. I do think Mm -hmm. that Facebook probably is thinking a lot more in 2019 about antitrust concerns than they were in 2018 or certainly in 2017. And so how do they structure their different offerings when they think about those type of things? Do they want it more tightly integrated with Facebook so it doesn't look like a separate platform that could be easily separated or, or broken off? Or do they want it uh, to be separated? I think that's a really interesting conversation for, for Facebook executives to have internally and in thinking about that. But um, it's surprising that they haven't gone out and made bigger acquisitions. It's really always been this homegrown um, initiative. And to to your point, you mentioned portal. That's a desire to get in and own not just the software experience, but also the hardware experience. So feeling mm-hmm. like maybe that's been the big differentiator. Maybe we, we can if we own the hardware, then we can have tighter integration, like an Apple model. And that will drive people onto the, the platform. So
1: and and also like um like Amazon, you know, Facebook is a company that didn't didn't really, you know, uh, really fail to have a, have a big impact in the mobile hardware market. So, arguably, turning its attention more toward the uh, more toward the home.
0: Well, that's probably a great place to wrap up. A lot more to come from both of these stories, as as we discussed, uh, especially around computing. I think you're going to see a lot of announcements heading into and at CES painting a, a narrative for what's to come over the, the year to ahead he, uh, uh, again I'm Sean Dubervac. you can follow me on Twitter at Sean Dubervac.
1: and uh, I'm Ross Rubin with Radical Research and you can find me on Twitter at Ross Rubin
0: and that's when Ross is not in Hawaii um, <laughs>
1: when I'm not in Hawaii I'm on Twitter sometimes yeah. at the same time yeah when I'm
0: lucky. Like so- it So we thank you for joining us for this episode of Techspansive and tune in next week where we'll bring more insights for the world of tech.